Matthew 16. I'm going to give you an unusual message title. I gave some thought to this. Things I wish Jesus had never said or not said. Things I wish Jesus had not said. And you say, preacher, how can you say that? Everything that Jesus said is good. Yeah, it is. Every recorded word spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ is important. No question. I don't want to devalue that or, or uh, lighten that at all. Every recorded word spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ is for our consideration. Every time you see him speak in the Bible, you ought to sit up and listen to what he says. Most Bibles have recorded and read there are some phone programs that will do that as well. Some people use their phones today, but in my Bible, uh, the red letter marks Jesus Christ speaking, and that's highly noted. Every recorded word spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ is for our edification. It's for our growth. It's for our good, and we should listen to what it says. Once you've excluded the duplications of Jesus' speeches in the four gospel, the total number of words spoken by Jesus is 31,426. 31,000 words. That's a lot of words. I got uh, listing one time how many times I've preached, and I figured that I've preached well over 6,000 messages in my time of preaching. 6,000 messages. That's a lot of words, but none of my words compare to the 31,426 of Jesus. If you have to listen to me or Jesus, listen to Jesus. If you have to listen to anybody, listen to Jesus. 31,000 words. But there are some things I wish Jesus had not said. Because it brings a hardship to me. Now, it's very selfish, but let's be honest, we're kind of selfish sometimes. The first of those things I wish Jesus had never said is found in our opening text in Matthew chapter 16. Let's read verses 24 to 26. Matthew 16, 24 to 26. It says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Ouch. And take up his cross. Mm. And follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I wish Jesus hadn't said that because, number one tonight, denial hurts me. Denial hurts me. Let's get real and honest for just a minute tonight. None of us really like to limit ourselves or inconvenience ourselves do we? We want it easy. We want it our way. We want everyone to see it our way. We want everyone to participate in what I want to participate in. Uh, our family has kind of a unique dynamic, and my wife and I have a unique dynamic. Uh, my wife loves to go, 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 go. She loves to do, 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 do. When we go on vacation, it's what miniature golf can we hit first? When are we going bowling? Let's go on a ride. Let's go see some event. Let's go shopping. Let's do that. I say, where's the hot tub? That's my idea of vacation. Get me the hot tub. Let me sit and relax in some hot water and just do nothing. I'll listen to some good gospel music, and I'll just sit. Where's the hammock? Where's the hammock uh, close by? That, that's my kind of vacation. And so we have some difference in that. And, and uh, we've had to come to terms that when we vacation, this is what we do. The first day, we go, 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 go. The next day, we just lay around and take it easy. We compromise. I wish I could always have my way, but that's not the way it is in life. And when it comes to the things of Christ, Jesus has asked some things of us that really may not always line up with what I want to do. There's some things I'd like to do and say and go, but I know that I can't because if I'm going to follow Jesus Christ the way that I'm supposed to, I'm going to have to put some of those things aside. I like to do what I want to do when I want to do it. 
I like to eat what I want to eat and as much as I want to eat. And some of you would say, well, you have no problem with that. Um, I, I think Christmas time and New Year's is a good time for us to say we, we all overeat because there's a lot of things that we want to eat. We shouldn't eat, but we want to eat them. Those shortbread, shortbread cookies, they call to me. They call out to me. I, I receive some of those. I get little tins of them from people, and some folks have been very kind over the years. I, I just cannot resist some of those things. Pecan tarts, I mean, it's a downfall in my life. It's, it's, it's almost a, a cocaine addiction for me. Uh, if you could snort um, those tarts, I would do it. Uh, I love them that much. But uh, when it comes to Christmas time, I say, you know, I really shouldn't eat my fourth one, but I'm going to do it because it's Christmas time, and we, all limits are off. I like to say, go, and be, you name it. By nature, it's all about me. By nature, in this sinful flesh, it's all about me. And we look at a world that does that, and we criticize, and, and we shake our heads. But let's remember, we were all there once. We were all there. I talked to a, some folks this week that have had some struggles in life. And some of those struggles have been because it's all about me. It's what I want to do. It's what I think. It's, 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 it's my perspective. But when we come to Christ, that changes. I want all those things. And then Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Most of us are not good followers. We're not. We're better leaders sometimes in some things. Now, you might say, well, I would never get up and lead a service or I could never lead a program or lead a class. But when it comes to our lives, there are a lot of things that we want to lead. And Jesus said, I'm going to put you aside on that. I want you to follow me. I want you to deny what you want to do. I want you to deny what you think. I want you to put that aside, and I want you to follow me. Take up that cross. Take up that burden. Take up that, that, that life of yours and follow me. The word deny implies let him deny or renounce himself fully in all respects. The meaning is this, that a follower of Christ will need to observe in its utmost latitude of meaning in order to be happy here and glorious hereafter. In other words, if I will deny the things of Christ in this life, not only will I be happier here, I'll be happier when we get to glory. Boy, that's, that's a good thing. There are a lot of people that are miserable today. There are a lot of people in Christianity that are not at their fullest potential happy today. There are a lot of people that are discouraged today. There are a lot of people that are frustrated today. And I'll tell you why. Because we've not denied ourselves We've tried to appease ourselves. And all that's going on in this world, it's about taking care of myself. And some would say it's taking care of others as well. But essentially, it's about taking care of myself, my well-being. Jesus said, I want you to deny yourself. Not that we're not to be cautious or that we're just to throw things to the wind. But when it comes down to it, my greatest concern has got to be, what does Christ want? What has Christ called me to do? You know the saddest thing of this whole COVID situation? I hear less talk about Jesus Christ than I've ever heard. I hear more talk about shots and masks and programs, and I'm not hearing about Christ. Isn't that kind of sad? If there was ever a time when this world is looking for some hope and looking for some answers, they should be finding it in Jesus Christ. Here's what I tell people. Don't worry. Christ has us covered. Don't worry, God knows what's going on. Don't worry, if you're a Christian, you've got Christ. He's going to take care of you. If the worst comes to worst and, and you would die in this time of your life, you're going to be with Christ. We just sang about it. 
We love to sing those songs. We want to sing those songs. Saved, saved, I'm saved. I've got Christ. I'm not worrying. I'm not worrying. I've denied myself in those things. There was maybe a day when I thought, you know what? I've got I've to take care of myself, and I've got to do what I need to do, and I've got to do what I need to do. But you know what? I'm to the point where I'm like, Christ, just do what you've got to do in my life, and let me do what I need to do so that I can further you. The meaning is that we follow Christ. There are three things, however, that aid me in adhering to the words of Christ. I don't like it, but here's what helps me. It's the sin of pride and selfishness that is the demise of most of mankind. When people get selfish and worry only about themselves, that's when they get into trouble. When people suffer from the sin of pride, that's when they get into trouble. Don't we? Don't we? When I care about myself, my family is sometimes hurt. When I care about myself, sometimes the church is hurt. When I care about myself, sometimes I'm hurt in what I do. The other thing is, by losing my life, I gain life more abundant here and in heaven. By living for Jesus Christ, life becomes so much better here. I've, I've dealt with some folks over the last few months that have really struggled with some hardship. In fact, I just had to deal with a suicide situation. And uh, talking to people, they said, well, we had no idea. We had no idea that that person was struggling in those things. And we can hide it very well sometimes. But when you come down to it, when you finally find the, 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 the end means of those things, you find out there was something wrong. There was something bad wrong. There was something very selfish in their life and end up taking their life. And then I know this, knowing what Christ gave for me strongly moves me to serve him with my all. When somebody does something for you, the natural response is to want to do something in return, right? Jesus did something for me. He did something for me that blows my mind. He gave himself, he gave his all for me. How could I not, in return, do something for him? I was with Harrison and uh, Derek. We went down to the Remembrance Day service uh, downtown here. And Harrison's three years old, and you know Harrison. And uh, I was holding Harrison. I said, now, Harrison, here's what we do. If we see a policeman or a fireman or a soldier, we're going to thank them. We're going to say, thank you for your service. He goes, okay, Bobby. So we're out there, and and uh, he wanted me to hold him. I had to hold him the whole service. The kid's big, and I'm getting weak. And he's, man, and I'm holding him. And he looks over, and he taps me. He goes, Poppy. And there was an older gentleman standing next to us. He was a veteran. And he goes, Poppy. And I said, okay. And so I said, sir, my grandson would like to say something to you. And Harrison, in good, clear voice, said, thank you for your service. And the gentleman was teared up in his eyes you know he's standing there and we're standing there for a little bit and he, he looks over and he says can, can I do this and he takes his poppy off and he puts it on Harrison I thought man that's a million buck moment right there that was awesome that soldier was prepared to give his life for us I think wow I try to, whether it be Canadian or American, if I see a soldier, I go to them, I say, hey, I want to thank you for your service. I appreciate what you're doing. I often tell the guys in the States, listen, I'm, I'm Canadian, and I know, I know I'm not American, but I want you to know that our country is thankful that we have you as allies. We have, we have fought side by side for the years, and I appreciate that. And they're, very always, they're always very appreciative. But I think of this, I think Jesus Christ literally came and gave his life for me. How could I not follow him how can i not deny myself knowing that he gave his life for me it makes it easy at first in the flesh it's hard but when you come to realize that it makes it really quite easy the second thing tonight is that 
I wish Jesus hadn't, hadn't said this next one because forgiveness haunts me. Forgiveness haunts me. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. Or just a page or two there for you. Matthew 18, look at verses 21 to 22. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall, I, uh, shall uh, my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? That, that would seem pretty reasonable. But then Jesus says this, and this, ah, oh, this is hard for me. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. 490 times. Wow. Are you kidding me? I'm supposed to forgive the sin of a brother 490 times? Really? Brother Abe does me wrong? And he comes to the pastor, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? No problem, buddy, you got, I'll give you that one. And he comes another day, uh, can you forgive me again? Yeah, listen, I know, everybody has a tough time, no problem. Three times, four times, 400 times. Can you forgive me? Can you forgive me? We'd all say, at some point, you guys say, buddy, when are you going to get this? When are you not going to figure this out? Just don't do it anymore. Why, why are you doing that to me all the time? Why, why that sin against all the time? And, and at some point, you say, listen, I can't forgive you anymore. I've forgiven you 490 times. Right? It's tough. When people do you wrong, that's like as many times and every time they ask without end. That's what Jesus is telling us. And that is exactly what Jesus was saying. That's what he's trying to get across. People wrong me. It hurts. And I want to get or give revenge. Not forgiveness. When somebody does you wrong, you want, you want to get revenge. You want to get back at them. You, you want to find some area of their life where they're wrong. You want to be able to nitpick them a little bit because that makes us feel a little better about ourselves. He says, now you need, just need to forgive. Now, if I wrong you, on the other hand, it's all good, right? If I, if I do something to you. If I, Brother Abe, if I, if I wrong you, I mean, hey, it, it's good, right? That's what we want. We want everyone to forgive us, but we have a hard time forgiving others. And Jesus realizes that and begins to teach on this. I read the Lord's example of prayer, and this begins again to take something that's very hard for me to accept to make it acceptable. Our Father, we acknowledge our God. In the Lord's example of prayer, our Father, okay, I'm, I'm speaking to God. I, I remember I saw Brother Clark the other day, Brother Lauren Clark, had a great visit with him. He's out in the, the home just outside of town. And um, one thing I remember about Lauren Clark is whenever I asked him to pray, and some of you would remember this, he'd come and he'd stand before the pulpit here and he'd take the offering. I said, Brother Clark, would you lead us in prayer? And he'd always do this. Heavenly Father. He'd pause. He'd hesitate, and it seemed like a long time. And sometimes I'd look down, and I thought, well, maybe he forgot or he didn't hear me or whatever. And, and I could see, and, and he started praying. So one time I went to him, I said, Brother Clark, why, why do you always hesitate like that? He said, Pastor, because I'm coming into the presence of holy God, and I want to make sure that I'm right before I ascend to his throne. I thought, oh, my goodness. That's awesome. He's exactly right. Sometimes we rush right into prayer. We didn't even think about who we're praying to or what we're asking for. But we come before that Heavenly Father. Then we reverence Him. Hallowed be thy name. We heard this morning a great message on the holiness of God. Holy, 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 thrice holy. We come into His presence. We plead His kingdom to come. Then we promote his will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we ask our supply. Give us this day our daily bread. And then what do we do? We beg forgiveness. As we 
forgive our debtors. Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Jesus said, I'm going to teach you something about forgiveness. When you come, one of the first things you want to do, and again, I'm going to be very transparent with you. Sometimes I say, Heavenly Father, I don't even get to the other parts of recognize his, his throne and, and his coming and his will. I go right to, please forgive me. Heavenly Father, please forgive me. I, I failed today. I don't even stop and think about those other things because it's so grievous on our hearts. And Jesus says, listen, as you come to the Father and you plead forgiveness, remember there are those around you that need that same kind of forgiveness. And as God is patient to forgive you, how many times have you gone to God with the same sin over and over and over and over and over again? We all have a besetting sin, don't we? Yours is different than mine, I'm sure. Yours might be lying, it might be cheating, it might be stealing, it might be, might be impure thoughts, it might be whatever. And we go to the Father, Father, I, I, and I've said this to the Lord, Lord, I can't even believe I'm coming to you again. I cannot believe I've got to come and humble myself and tell you that I messed up again. And we never even think twice about God saying, no. No. That's 400 times, sorry, you're done. No. I know that every time I go to my Heavenly Father and ask forgiveness, He will forgive me. He says He will. He tells us. How in the world could I or we not forgive that many times when most, if not all of us, run to God on a daily or regular basis seeking the forgiveness of our trespasses against Him? How could I ever deny someone else forgiveness when God does that for me? So though Jesus said it, and it's a struggle, I've learned to overcome that because of what God does for me. And then I wish Jesus hadn't said this last one. Let's look at Matthew chapter 22. Commitment horrifies me. Commitment horrifies me. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord God with, what's that next word? All thy heart. And with, what's that word? All thy soul. And what's the last one? And with all thy mind. You ever think about that? You ever think about that? This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. How is that even close to the same? <laughs> Did you catch that? It's like unto the same. If you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor. We'll take a look at that in just a sec. Verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We all love God, right? We all love God. I think we can all say tonight. Even the kids would say, Dan, you love God tonight. Don't you, Daniel? You love God tonight? Yeah. Bethany, you love God, don't you? Yeah, amen. We all love God. We freely say that. But do we love God with all our hearts? Now, we know the heart is not that beating part of our lives. It's talking about the, the very core of man. Do I love God with all my heart? Do I love God as much as I love my kids? Now, as, as troublesome as kids can be sometimes, if there was a bus coming down the street and that bus was going to hit one of those two kids, both of you parents would push that kid out of the way and take the full brunt of that bus because you love those children with all your heart. I love my wife with all my heart. I do. I can tell you this. I love Bible Baptist Church with all my heart. 
I spent enough time here and enough laughing, enough crying, enough working, and enough playing. I love this church with all my heart. Do I love God with all my heart? Am I willing to push something out of my way so that I could take the full brunt for God? Or do I kind of hold off a little bit? Are there other things that maybe take a priority? Listen, I'll be honest with you tonight. There are people that could have been here in church tonight. They could have been here tonight. But there was a bigger priority. There was something else going on. There, there was something that they, they, they had opportunity to do. And, and it just took a greater priority. Do I love God with all my heart? Do I love God with all my soul? My, my very life, my eternal life. Do I love God with my soul? I gave him my soul. He, he accepted it. He's my savior. I've turned it over to him, that eternal life. But do I love God with all my soul? Do, do I think, am I living my, my deepest life? Am I giving the, the core of my life to Christ? Or is it a fringe thing? There are too many Christians today that are living a fringe Christianity. I was seeing this morning as the preacher was preaching, I actually wrote myself a note, thinking about casual Christianity. How casual we've become in Christianity. How casual. There's there some things that we can be casual in, but when it comes to my soul, when it comes to my eternal destiny, when it comes to heaven and hell, there's nothing casual about that. That's serious stuff. Am I living a life that, that, that allows my soul to be in a relationship with God where I can do more for him and follow him and deny myself and that that, that soul can then give that message to others? I love him with all my soul. How about all my mind? Are, are the things of my mind stayed on the things of God? Now, again, tonight, some of you knowing me well, you say, if you give God your, your mind, if I gave God all my mind, that's not very much to give him. There's not a lot of mind there. <laughs> but are my thoughts on the things of God? As I go through the day, do I give thought to God? Do, do I give thought in everything to God? When I go into the grocery store, do I think about God? So we can't think about God all the time. Well, I understand that, but I can think a lot more about him than I do. The idea is that we can think anytime on God. I love when I ride, drive down the road. I do a lot of driving now, a lot of flying now, and I've got a little more time to do those things. And I'll tell you what, when you start thinking about who God is and what God is and what God does and my relationship to God, it's mind-blowing what God has done for me. Man, those girls sang that song this morning. That's one of my favorite songs. Thinking about what God has done in my life. God's been so good. I think of my, my existence here. I think of my friendships. I think of my family. I think of you know, the opportunity to give the gospel, to, to be a preacher, to travel this world and share the gospel with people. God's been so good to me. And even though there's been some hardships and even though there's been some difficulties, when it comes down to it, when I think of what God has done in my life, it is mind-blowing. Then Jesus has to throw in part two, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Wow, that, that can be awesome, or it can be very hard, depending on who your neighbor is. I have great neighbors. I'll be honest with you. Abe, Abe came over uh, about a year, two years ago. We were going to sell our house. We thought this would be a good time. The market was doing well. We thought we'll sell the house. And uh, we listed it and didn't get one offer. And I really believe that was of the Lord. 
uh, because I could get a lot more for it now than I could back then. But um, here's the other thing. I said to him, I said, Abe, here's the problem. I want to sell my house because I want to make some money and I want to invest that so that I can look after my retirement years. But I said, here's the problem. I love my neighbors. I love my neighbors. I've got the best neighbors. Uh, one of our neighbors uh, texted us this morning, Jess. She's a, she's a great girl. We've kind of adopted her as our daughter. and She's just a sweet girl. And she said, I hate to tell you this, but your dog's been coming over and he's been coming on our deck and he's been going to the bathroom on our deck repeatedly. So I killed a dog that I'm not super happy with most of the time. I said to Ruthie, I am mortified. One of our neighbors has a problem. I texted her back, I am so sorry. We'll get that taken care of. We'll, that, that won't happen again. That dog is on the radar. He's on a short leash. He'll never go to the bathroom again as long as he lives. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. She, no problem, no problem, no problem. It's not a problem at all. We just wanted you to know. We saw them tonight as we were coming to church. I said, oh, I, I am so sorry. Oh, don't worry about it. I said to my wife, I'm so glad that we got to confront them because I, I love them. I was able to lead her to Jesus Christ. Her, her, her fiance got saved at our church years ago as a kid. On the other side of me, there's an Irish couple. And, uh, you know, I love the Irish, the luck of the Irish. And uh, we've got some Irish folks. And... Uh, I want to win them to Christ. They're not saved. And, and I've got two older neighbors across the street, and, and uh, they come over. These, they're 80 years old. They come over and shovel my driveway. Who has neighbors that do that at 80 years of age? And I'll go over sometimes with my snowblower, and I'll do theirs, you know, if it's bad enough. And we, we, I love my neighbors. And so when this verse comes up and says, you need to love your neighbors as yourself, I, I love my neighbors, but do I love them as myself? Do I love them enough to go out of my way to help them or please them or whatever as much as I would myself. You say, how does that apply to loving God? Because when you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, the natural response is to love your neighbor because you see them in a different light. They're not just neighbors. They're people that need the Lord. They're people that need a heavenly home. They're people that need an example in life of how to follow Christ. Here's what I said to my Irish neighbors. I went over one day and I was cutting their grass for them. They, there's grass in between our houses and I always cut it. It's just a little bit. And I think, you know what? I'm right here doing it. And I did it. And they came over and they said, hey, we got to ask you, why do you always cut our grass for us? And I said, I'm going to tell you why. I said, because I want you to see Jesus in me. And I think Jesus would do that for you. I think the Lord would love you as a neighbor enough to do that for you. And I said, I want you to see Jesus in my life. I really do. And when you love your neighbor, you want to introduce them to that one that you deny yourself for. You want, you want them to see that one that you love with all your heart and soul and mind. You want Jesus to be real. Here's a very sad thing I got to text last night from a preacher out in Nova Scotia and he sent me an article that just came out and it showed the decline of churches in Canada. Guess who's on the uprise? Mormons, Sikhs, atheists. And who's on the decline? A lot of the mainline denominations. The United Church of Canada has proclaimed that if something doesn't drastically happen, their churches will be completely gone by 2030. I got bad news for them. I think it's going to be before then. There are a lot of people in this country who are not going to church anymore for, I think, one reason. They don't see Christians acting like Christians. 
and they don't see Christ in Christians' lives. Well, they, they talk about it, and, and they go through the motions, but do they really see Christ? Jesus wants us to love him with every fiber of our being and our neighbors. It's a serious commitment. And I'll be honest with you, people are afraid of commitment today. On these two commandments, commandments, not a request, a command of God, hang all the law and the prophets. And we live in a society of non-committal people. It's a non-committal generation. Who commits to one spouse? Who commits to one job? Who, who commits to one business? You know, there are a lot of guys in our church that worked at the Ford Motor Company for 25, 30 years. One job. Who does that anymore? Most people have four, five, six jobs. My mom used to shop in one grocery store. She didn't go to two. No, no, no. She had one grocery store. Now it's wherever I can save 50 cents. We're noncommittal in a lot of ways. A lot of people are not committed to church or a church. And Jesus wants us to love him with that every bit of fiber and being. And then I read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Do you know what that is? That's some serious commitment. God said, I love you so much, I'm going to give you my son. They're, they're going to take his life. He didn't take it. He laid down his life so that you could live. So that you could have eternal life. So that you could live the Christian life. So that you could have life more abundant if you just follow him and deny yourself. And if you'll just love him with all your heart and soul and mind. And if you'll love your neighbors as yourself. That's commitment. I'm going to take you to one last scripture and we'll close. Look at Romans chapter 5 tonight. Romans chapter 5. I want to finish early because some people have criticized me about preaching too long and they don't have enough time to fellowship after church, Bruce Holmes. And um, I'm going to give you lots of time tonight. <laughs> we were kidding this morning. They were standing out in the parking lot. It was 10 after 12. I said, people, go home. They said, well, when you have a short preacher, you have more time to sit around and fellowship. He said, when you used to preach, we didn't have any time at all. So I'm going to give you some time tonight. I tried to run them over. I just missed them too. It's a good thing I was preaching this message tonight or you would have been an ink spot out there. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were, oh boy, yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wow. That kind of love, forgiveness, and commitment on God's part makes our part so much easier. How do I commit to God? I understand how much He committed to me, He committed everything. How could we not commit knowing that God loved and committed to us when we, in our sin, hated him for his enemy? I can love somebody who's loving, and I can love somebody who's lovable, but to love your enemies? Do you have any enemies? I don't know if I have any enemies. I, there are some people that I really don't care if I see 
but I don't know if I have any enemies, people that I'd say, I can't stand them, or, you know. Now, I know there are people that hate me. I know it. I know it. They tell me. They call me. They write me letters. <laughs> and I wish some of you would stop. <laughs> but when we, were, when we were his enemies, he loved us. Now, let me ask you, is there anything you wish Jesus had not said? Is there anything of his recorded word that you wish, boy, I wish he hadn't said that. That's tough for me. That's hard for me to do. That, that's going to be tough to live, really live. Are there any of those same things that I struggle with that you struggle with? Is there anything you need to ask the Lord about in regard to what he has said to you? I, I want you to do this in your life. Maybe it's a call to serve. Maybe God's called you to a special task, and you say, Lord, I, I just don't think I can do that. I, I, I don't think I've I got that much commitment. I, I don't know I, I can deny myself that much. I've got a plan. I, I've, got, I've got somewhere to go. I've got something to do. And, and God, if you, if you really want me to do that, I'm going to have to give those things up. Are there some things in your life tonight that you struggle with that God's called to you, called to you to do, or be, or go? Maybe tonight it's time to re-examine all that Jesus says. It's not just about denying yourself. Mm -mm. It's about realizing that it's easy to deny yourself when you see what Jesus denied so that we could have what we have. It, it's, it's realizing that that commitment becomes easier when we realize how committed Christ was to us. Tonight, are there some things that you wish Jesus hadn't said tonight? Let's, let's confront it, and let's deal with that. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for these good folks who've come into your house to worship tonight. I pray, Lord, that we'll leave here different than when we came. We've had a good time in fellowship and song. Father, now we come to that point when we have to apply what we've heard. If there's no application, there's no real teaching. And I pray tonight that we might apply what we've heard. And Father, I pray that you'd help us as we examine that for just a moment. And then God, help us tonight to be more faithful. Help us to be more considerate of what you'd have in our lives and to do it without any complaint or any hesitation. Help us with that.